You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning from Ascot, Wednesday, June the 21st, second day of Royal Ascot 2023. Great to have your company once again. Great also to have the company of Lydia Hislop to reflect on a dramatic day uh, to kick off the Royal Meeting and to look ahead uh, to some of the delights of what's to come. It was a case of the Dottori saga and more, more, more yesterday. But Lydia, let's start with the the positives. Um, a barnstorming start, really for Ryan Moore as he closes in on the Tories all-time tally of, of Royal Ascot wins and with three very willing, well-tuned and well-trained partners. How did you enjoy your day here yesterday? I loved it. I thought it was the racing was really strong. It's my favourite day of the week. It's a bit like Cheltenham. I think the, the strongest day is the opening day if you're sort of at the purest end of things, I suppose people might define it as. But I just love the day. Paddington stepping forward hugely, I thought, from the Irish Guinness. I thought in the in the Irish Guinness he had everything go right for him. And here it just looks like he has taken a huge step forward um, and dismissed Chaldean, who was just maybe went a little hard, but sort of his finish wasn't really there at the end. And Paddington was so dominant. So be interesting to see what they do with him. Um, that Milan division, uh, certainly of his generation, looks his for the taking. And it will be interesting, bearing in mind we had the Milers in the Queen Anne opening up. Um, that will be interesting to hit. They, they, I would imagine that connections will quite fancy taking them on, but I'll come back to triple time in a minute. Um, and then um, River Tiber was really tough. That's kind of the hallmark of that horse, I think, really. You know, he he manages to find a way, and that's been the way that he has won the Coventry Stakes and the races prior to that. And Verban was just thrown in, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, looking looking at his uh, French form, you can understand why, you know, you arrive at that mark, but he's clearly done nothing but improve for Willie Mullins, and he just dotted up in the Copper Horse at the end. Well, yes, indeed, Rich Ritchie did enjoy himself watching Vauban win the Copper Horse Handicap. <laughs> The race that brought the curtain down on yesterday's proceedings. Wow, he didn't just win, he absolutely bolted up. Now, I'll let you into a little secret. Back end of last week, uh, Rich Ritchie's racing manager, Joe Chambers, sent me a message saying, I will come on on Monday to tell you how far Vauban will win the Copper Horse. I will be positively arrogant about it. Of course, I forgot. I ignored him. So the, the least I could do was ring him and let him let him rub my nose in it. So here you are, Joe. The, flo the floor is yours. You thought he'd win well. Did you think he'd win that well? Uh, no, not really, but, you know, I think Ryan made a positive move very early in the race, and um, he's, he, he's different gear from the front. I I remember Highland Reel and a couple of others where he just made the running and um, took all issues into his own hands and was just positive and decisive, and I think his last three furlongs were pretty strong as well, but we hoped he'd do that, but you never expect to do it at a festival like that, albeit in a handicap, not a pattern race. Uh, you and I have seen uh, Rich and Susanna Ritchie have winners at the Cheltenham Festival for years and years and years and years and some of the great jumpers of our time, narrow runner-up in the Melbourne Cup with Max Dynamite. Why did yesterday's victory elicit the reaction that it did? Um, there is unfinished business. And uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, while Rich and Susanna are very much people who's, where jump racing is at their core and is at the, you know, the core of their hobby and their passion, um, 
Melbourne has struck a chord with them over the last decade and they would like to go back there and win it. So it, it that really in, it, it has informed it as far as as far as the horse is, is concerned. What might he do between now and Melbourne? What's the prep to get him in the right shape and the right place in the handicap? It's a good question. I think the handicapper is going to influence that because you know if he gets he's one off one on one yesterday. If he gets three or four pounds, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> good luck with that project. But if he gets eight or nine pounds, you know what do you do? Because I, I think Max went. Uh, Max Dynamite went up one one four the year he got the year he should have won, um, and you know so depending on what way depending on what mark he gets do you go and be near top weight in the knee bar do you run in a Lonsdale or do you leave him alone until November um, you know that wouldn't that isn't a million and we'd have you know absolute faith in Willie and for the last the last mile delivery is Amazon save but you know the last month of that is in David Casey's hands where. Uh, we've absolute maximum faith. Uh, you're not going to run him on Saturday in the Queen Alexandra and try and do a Thomas Hobson. No, highly unlikely. Okay, and two two, two two six might be might be a bridge too far even for him. I mightn't think it? it was, and and I believe I've had a couple of messages today from um, Whisperish Times people, which I appreciate are quite a social media hot topic at the moment. But I think his last three furlongs were only bettered by Bradsell and Spiral yesterday. Um, according to some, um, now that may not be worth its weight in gold for certain punters on social media these days. But there is, it's an informative little input. That's all I would say. So I don't think we we need to go any, any out as far as two six. The clock never lies, Joe. That's all we need to know. Apparently not. We, you know, but um, no. Yesterday was a lot of fun. It was a long time until ten past six, and um, a lot longer after that as well. All right. Thanks so much for for coming and rubbing my nose in it uh, I'm sorry I didn't call you over the weekend uh, I'm very glad for all all the punters who lumped on to Vauban that he did the job so impressively for you thanks for chatting yes he, he, not at all not at all but you know um, that other fine judge of character Rishi Prasad um, uh, you know I think he, he, he he's well aware of your shortcomings also <laughs> Joe Chambers thank you very much of course I had no idea what Joe's referring to at the end there I'm sure it all will become clear when Rishi joins me on the show tomorrow Vauban's result was significant from a whirlpool perspective as well this is why here's Jamie Hart yeah so the couple horse handicap of course when we go whirlpool jumps racing is massive in UK and Ireland but it's it's less less followed worldwide and it's interesting here because the most backed horse originally in the whirlpool was the Charlie Appleby and um, William Buick runner and uh, Vauban was you know early on it was about £5.80 or something eventually the money did come for Vauban but uh, it only got down to about 6 to 4 won like a threes on chance didn't it but, but it, it, it paid it paid even money at SP but it, it paid 6 to 4 for those people getting the value betting into the whirlpool through the tote and just interestingly given that it's Ryan Moore riding Vauban and absurd again Willie Mullins and Dettori over here obviously the two bit the biggest names in flat racing and the biggest name in jumps racing but because of uh, Willie Mullins isn't the big name in Hong Kong the pair of them the forecast the, the Willie Mullins forecast with the bookies paid six just over six quid six pounds eleven whereas on the whirlpool the exactor pay through the tote paid 16 quid so it's just it's, it is worth looking around every time when you're looking down the, down the runners today just make sure that anything that isn't familiar 
internationally will overpay and don't be afraid to be obvious so you know it's pretty obvious there the Boban absurd forecast was probably the most obvious obvious forecast to pick but paid 16 quid on the tote well that was the final race of the day what about the first race of the day triple times surprise victory not of course to Kevin Ryan perhaps not to Neil Callum but to, to quite a few including those who, who backed in spiral who had an awful lot of ground to make up after another tardy start and, and modern games and suspicion remains that a stiff mile here isn't really what he wants. Lydia, what did you make of it all? Uh, I thought that with Triple Time, he was a, a conceivable player, wasn't he? He's had an, a non-straightforward career to this point in that he had a very progressive two-year-old year. And then we didn't see him until September of his three-year-old year. That started really well when he went a, a, a Group 3 and he wasn't able to carry it on at Longchamp at Group 2 level. But, you know, that was his first go at that. It was probably different ground as well. And so the, you, there was a, conceivably an argument to say that this was a horse that we don't really know how good he is. Well, I mean, he showed us that he's a, a top-class miler yesterday. Um, I think he was well-positioned by, by Neil Callum, but nonetheless, He's clearly very talented and he's going to be a player in this division this season, which is great to see that connections have persisted with him. I mean, what a great day it was for Sheikh Mohammed Abayed Al Maktoum as well, with Royal Champion winning later on in the Wolverton. But this horse, very exciting. Yeah, I think in Spiral, I mean, you know, her mum's star scope started to be quite difficult. A couple of her half siblings started to be quite difficult. She showed that she didn't really want to go at the start of the QE2 at the back end of last season. I fear that the best mood that you might find her in is on her seasonal debut this season. So I, I worry that, that that second, where she's come from a disadvantageous position, done really well to get second, but you know caused by her own problems uh, I, I worry that that might be a peak and yeah modern games I don't know it was it was a it was a little disappointing um I don't I know it didn't have a huge amount of impact on um the the ground but I think maybe he might need a, a much faster bouncier surface than that yeah I, I think the the rain was just enough I was wrong yesterday the rain had gone into the straight track much more than I thought and I think the, yeah. the amount of watering that had gone into that before racing took place had a a significant effect and I, I think that did deaden the surface enough to 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 um really quell uh, modern games is effectiveness now our, hun our huntsman yeah. ride of the day has gone to neil callan um right yes uh, over 500 of you voted and you gave the vote not by a huge margin to neil callan he got 43 percent of the of the vote uh, ryan moore was second and third and and jack mitchell was was fourth so um would you have given him ride of the day for triple time I'll be perfectly honest, I haven't studied these races because I was actually there and we'll talk mm. about about the, being able to watch races at, at Ascot. Because I was there, I haven't had the chance to to pour over it to such a large degree. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with with with, with Neil get, getting the, the prize for that. I mean, he had a he got his horse very well positioned and he, that meant that the horse was able to give of his ability. And I, yeah, I just, you know, would underline your point about um, modern games. I just think he needs it. I think there's no coincidence why he really enjoys going to to America. I think you know that that kind of race, but also that kind of surface, really fast ground, is what suits him and what sees him at his best. Okay, let's talk about the Detori saga. Um, this is a horse that I doubt he'll he'll ever want to throw a leg across again because it was a, <laughs> a bit of a disaster last year. And it was a disaster yesterday because he ended up picking up a nine-day ban for careless riding. That was in the Wolferton handicap. Saga, of course, running in the colours of the King and the Queen. So it was supposed to be the great story of day one. Turned into a complete nightmare. 
Horse actually ran okay in the end, never really looked like winning. I've spoken to Frankie Dottori this morning and I said, oh, are you going to appeal? He said, there are people looking at it. He said, I, I don't want to waste everybody's time. Uh, but he did sort of offer some mitigation. He got nine days, Lydia. It mm-hmm. seems to me, relative to the Guiana Epsom and the uh, the race we saw the other day with Theo Lab at Nottingham, yeah. yeah, relative to those, I, I think that's quite a lot. Yes. Now I will I will couch this in terms that the the pictures I've seen will not be as conclusive and from different angles as the pictures that the stewards were were working from. So from the sort of side on picture, it does look like Cadillac is like three quarters of the way up the inside of a certain lad at the point where he starts getting squeezed up and ends up severe, having to severely check and go. He, he absolutely loses his position and drops back onto horses. Now, the stewards took the view that this was careless riding. The frame uh, in which they, they put it in was the five to 14 days, which is when the rider allows a horse to hang or drift, which results in considerable interference. And that also requires a considerable length of time as well. So five to 14 day brackets, as opposed to the two to four day brackets, which is lesser careless riding. And that's uh, increased interference due to misjudgment, inattention or failure to take corrective action. That's where Frankie Dottori would like to be yeah. able to, if he does consider appeal, move the discipline panel to, that would enable him to ride uh, at the Eclipse meeting. Yes, and ride Emily up. John, who would be favourite for the Coral Eclipse. We would think, depending on what Aidan O'Brien chucks into the Eclipse, could Paddington still be a possibility for the Eclipse? I think potentially, potentially, why not? But at the moment, the mile division looks, you know, looks open, looks looks, looks there for some horse to dominate. And, you know, Paddington could be that horse, I think, because we've talked about the, the needs of modern games. We've talked about um, in spiral, um, you know, and, and what, what might be uh, the, the issues with her. You know, obviously, triple time could, could turn out to be a proper force in the division you know you have to be totally open-minded about that at this stage but you know that other than that you know where are where are the horses that are dominating this and i think you know that might be quite attractive i think to uh coolmore and bally doyle for paddington to do that i, I you know I, I coming back to the detori nine days i agree with you my i you know i was the proximity of a rail is always an exacerbating factor. So the degree of danger being squeezed up against the rail. So I assume that in the notes to penalty guidelines, the panel has particularly laid emphasis on on how much um, James McDonald was squeezed up on Cadillac on the inside there. I think that that is what that is what they have have really focused upon. Now there was a rail exacerbating factor with the Marco Gianni um, ban at Epsom, which I thought was underplayed by the stewards, uh, and it wasn't a factor uh, in Theo Ladd's um, interference. But that just seemed like a like a just a straightforward barge out. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think that it it to me it seems that 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 ban looks quite harsh in the context of those two bans but the stewards i think will be pointing to their guidelines and saying we have procedures that we go to go through and it's the degree of danger james mcdonald being squeezed up against the rails and having to take such a severe check which moves it from two to four to five to 14 and even you know bang in the middle of five to 14 at nine days there might be some movement i think it might be optimistic to get it down to two to four Okay, so a possible appeal from Frankie Dottori, but nothing confirmed as we speak. Okay, talking of drama and redemption in in the right sense this time, what about the the King's Stand stakes? Bradsell beating Highfield Princess, lengthy Stewart's inquiry afterwards. Lots to go out here. 
I really enjoyed this race. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. It was great to see Brad Sull, who was such a brilliant winner of the Coventry. He looked like he was going to have a fantastic two-year-old season. Injury intervened. He's come back this season and he's looked faster, um, not quite getting home over six furlongs. And, you know, managing to step up and win the King Stand and being a dual Royal Ascot winner is, you know, just incredible. You know, very, very few horses managed to achieve that. So he's entered into an elite bracket. Um, and uh, Holly Doyle's achievements as well, continuing to quietly knock off all of these points in history is just, you know, hugely applauded. And what are the gallant runner-up Highfield Princess? Well, earlier on today, I spoke to John Quinn and I asked him whether Highfield Princess would be sticking around to run at Ascot again on Saturday. Um, morning, Nick. Um, thinking I'm here with Sean and, and Sastraji Jingri, and we've we've had a good look at the filly. She's absolutely sound. She looks bright. Um, we're leaving her down here at the moment. We're aiming to run her. So she'll be down here and what just to have a little jog out on the track every every morning till Saturday. Uh, this morning she she had she's had two good lead outs and she'll have one this evening. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning early we're going to give her some very light exercise and on Friday she'll she'll be led out. And, and John, what's the thinking behind behind running her twice? What what sort of about her has has sort of suggested it's the right thing to do? Um. Well, obviously, um, it's not set in stone, but the one thing she has always thrived on is racing. Now, albeit we're, we're swimming in deeper waters, you know, now she's swimming in running group ones. And, and But um, looking at her this morning, uh, she looks well, she's sound, she's eaten up, she's bright. She, she um, She's a very competitive animal. Um, and as long as she's okay, we, we will be leaning to running her. It is her last year as well. Um, you know, um, no, that's that's not a big factor, but it it is a factor. Um, also, it, after Saturday, I, I would probably give her a little bit of a chance uh, until the mid midsummer, where where there are all the obvious risks for her. You know. Okay, and and just looking back on on yesterday, she's obviously run a, a fine race again. To what extent do you think she was she was unlucky? Um. As you well know, if if if, if you can, if you in the closing stages of any race, if if you are if you are um, put off your straight line, it is a disadvantage. And she was beaten three quarters of a length. And when 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 one looked at the head-on, you um, and and also how long they deliberated over it, I thought. Hmm. So there was certainly a case for looking at it. I think in I think in some on other days uh, at other meetings she might have got the race certainly in other countries she certainly would have got the race but look we respect the judgment of the of, of the stewards that you know on the day john quinn they're great to see that highfield princess is is sound and she'll come back to ascot or stay at ascot for the queen Elizabeth second jubilee on saturday i wonder what archie watson was thinking during the course of that stewards inquiry having lost the race with dragon symbol lost the commonwealth cup with dragon symbol in dramatic fashion a couple of years ago and um yeah i i sort of felt for him as as he was in in the winner's circle uh, not really any the wiser lydia 
He also mentioned in his interview, I noticed on, on ITV, that he'd only seen the race live. He hadn't seen a replay or a head-on. All he'd heard is the stewards claxon. Well, everybody on the course at Royal Ascot was in the same position as Archie Watson, which seems to me absurd. So I was watching um, a race with some um, people who knew racing very well and also some some people who didn't so much. And so this, when the stewards' inquiry was announced, uh, everybody was kind of like, oh, well, you know, that that's there's nothing really that's gone on there. Um, and I a few of us were saying, well, we need to see the head on really to to find out whether something has happened and the age that we waited to see a head on. And it's just not it, it just seems terrible that you have all of these people here that you want to engage with the sport on the race course. And an incident has happened, which is quite a, a, you know, a serious incident. It could involve we they hear via the announcement that it could involve the winner. Well, it involves the winner in the second and interference between the two of them. And, you know, people will be saying, well, that means that the winner could be thrown out. And then they're not given the, the crowd, the race goers there are not given the opportunity to look for themselves as to what has happened. They're not shown it in a timely fashion. And there is nobody there on the race course explaining what is going on. Now, they have closed circuit TV. You know, there's lots of things that go on um, that uh, the crowd hear via that medium. You know, there's, there's you know post-race interviews and all of those kind of things. And also, you know, puff pieces for shops and, you know, the, uh, the chefs and things all around the course. All of that kind of thing happens. But the actual stuff of the racing is not communicated to the crowd. And that seems to me to be a massive miss and self-defeating for the sport in the long term. What? You need to be able to engage the people who are there and to explain what is happening rather than say, now there's a steward's inquiry, you just carry on drinking and eating and we'll tell you what happens at the end. So from Ascot now, we head to Lexington, Kentucky, to the cradle of the thoroughbred as we head around the bloodstock world with our friends at Weatherbees, their global stallion app and their excellent stallion book and really pleased today to be joined by Alberto Figueredo from Bon Chance, the boutique breeding operation that has just produced Justify's first grade one winner in Arabian Lion and the derby runner-up King of Steel, a really quite an achievement in such a short space of time either side of the ocean. Alberto you must be on cloud nine. Well, yeah, Nick, I would say thank you very much for hosting me. It is really an honor to speak with you and, and, and the whole people that uh, follow you on your podcast. But, yeah, I would say I'm, I'm on cloud nine, 11, not on cloud nine. And had, how on earth could somebody imagine that in the space of 10 days we will be have such a blessed result and full of emotions so yeah that that was very good for for the whole farm for the whole team here and is it your is it your intention as a as a breeding operation to to produce horses that can run in in europe and america was that really how you set out to be honest nick yes you know i think well we think when we talk about bon chance as a team like we think that the diversity brings a lot of uh, power when you try to mix things so like bring european mares to to america try to cross with even dirt or turf horses uh, also input some uh, south americans uh, blood also on this mix and uh, so that, that's a little bit, we, we, we do believe that the diversity, if you have the diversity, you will survive on this game. 
It's very interesting, actually, because a few weeks ago on the podcast, we talked to Osama Abu Ghazala, who you'll you'll know very well, and he he very much talked about the same thing: intro- introducing diverse bloodlines into into North America and and just trying to make the breed a little bit less homogenous. Perhaps you could take us back then to what started Bonchance in, in the first place. You're obviously from, from Brazil, but you're now based in Lexington. Just, just tell me what kicked, kicked the project off. Well, we started this operation back in 2009. Uh, there were two partners with form, uh, what we call Stud RDI. And this is an operation in South America who obviously grow globally and uh, with uh, producing good horses down there, testing them on the toughest circuit in South America, that is Argentina, and, and then select and send them uh, to the U.S. So, but by then, one of the partners decided to, you know, expand some, some uh, abroad operation, international operation, and that was Bonchance was created. Uh, in 2015, we bought uh, the former Regis farm here in Kentucky, and we started to develop this from scratch. Uh, and at that time, we had some fillies that we bought between Tattersalls and Arcana. And after the racing's career uh, and a couple falls, we 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 try to regroup and 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 create a little bit of a strong team so that that's the reason we move everybody here to to lexington kentucky and then well that came uh the the, the dam of uh, king of steel uh elder car she was coming here in fall to wood on and 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 that house a little bit of the story of the this, this coat and so you've had to wait. You've had to be patient with with her, haven't you, Elder Car? You know, it's, it's it's this has not been something that's ha- that's happened overnight. Oh, I, I do believe, uh, frankly, uh, Nick, that to success on this uh, on this game, you need to have patience all the time. If you don't have patience, you're probably going to be kicked out, or you're probably going to you know give up because you know take time, take time to understand about your mares, take time to understand your feelings, why do you like, you know, to increase when, when you do matings, why you try to decrease when you are doing matings, and, and you know, and this process took a lot of time, and, 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 and you need patience and, 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 you know, talking with a lot of people, and, uh, and yeah, it, it, it's take time, and a lot of patience. Okay, I'll ask you a, maybe a, a silly question. So you, you win... The grade one with the son of Justify on Belmont Stakes weekend, Arabian Lion, a horse you bred, owned by Amir Zidan now. Then Ammo Racing's King of Steel finishes second in the derby, as we've discussed. Which of those results gave you the bigger thrill, even though one was victory and one was defeat? By far, King of Steel. Really? You know, Nick, that was fun seeing. I, I spoke with... Ma- Forgive me the name of the... the na- Nice guy from from uh, Racing Post. And, uh, Martin Stevens. And Martin Stevens. Yeah, that's it, Martin. Martin, very nice, very very nice guy. And uh, I was telling my my wife that uh, I I was I am blessed to be around such a nice horses since I start to work on this, and and so I have a lot of thrills. 
South America, Brazil, Argentina, California, Breeders' Cup with Ivar, and but nothing compares to what I had that day. It, it was unbelievable. And I was looking at the race when the horse opened that gap, and I look at my wife and say, we're going to win the, the Epsom Derby. What, what you can ask more as a breeder? That's the biggest race in the world, you know? So that's the f fantastic, as you say, about that, that pole over there, that, that let's say, oh, that's the best horse. And, and yeah, that's, that's a big thrill between the two and maybe the big thrill I have in my life as, you know, a professional working on this. So what's the plan now for, for Bonchance? Off the, off the back of what's been a, a really good spell, are, are there plans to, to expand and to, to globalize even more? Uh, I think that the plan is keep doing the things the way all will try to improve, always trying to improve on the quality of the mares. Uh, as you said on the beginning, we are... We are uh, a boutique operation and we, we prefer expand the quality instead of expand the numbers so we will still be you know looking for fillies we'll be trying to do our best our matings as you can you know but uh, i would say we just trying to improve our our blood our quality and our quantity and, and for you, Albert, obviously as you, you travel a lot still, but how how do you enjoy life in Kentucky compared to to life in Brazil? Well, actually, I'm I'm still I'm still traveling between the two countries a lot. Uh, as I, I I oversee the operations over there, so uh, to be honest, I I, I live more in, in on a plane than on a place traveling from Brazil to Argentina and, and here, but it, it's nice to live here in Lexington. You know, we are in the heart of the total bread and you, you know, you, you are always uh, knowing things, understand things and learning things, which is the more important living here. So that's, that's a, a really upgrade in life. When you say that, uh, if you work with forces, you are living in Lexington. Alberto, thank you so much for talking to me. I wish you all the best with King of Steel at Royal Ascot this week, should he run. Um, thanks so much. Oh, no, please, Nick. Thank you very much to host. And, and uh, it was an honor to be at your podcast. Thank you very much. All right, well, my thanks to Alberto and good luck to him and his team. He'll be cheering on King of Steel later in the week. The Derby runner-up, it sounds like they've already had a, a wonderful result with that horse. Very pleased to say that joining me today is our, our very loyal and faithful Nick Luck Daily podcast, uh, resident milliner, Lisa Tan. All white today, Lisa. I am, and this is actually my wedding dress. No way. Yes, and I, I mean... I'm actually a fairly practical person, which you probably wouldn't know by looking at me. So if I love something and I've spent a fair bit of money on it, I want to be able to wear it more than once. And when I had this dress made, it was with the intention of being able to wear it again at Royal Ascot. So it's by a designer called Lisa Redman, who I work with a lot. I wore a very similar dress to this last year in pink, 
I loved it and my now husband said at the time, why don't you just get that made in white and then we can wear it to our wedding and that's what I did. And your lovely husband Drew yes. is one of the one of the most loyal followers of this podcast. Oh absolutely. So he you is. have to be careful what you say. <laughs> um, you are you are a very faithful person, I know that. Kevin Blake, on the other hand, <laughs> who who you might know from such previous exploits as the At the Races website, Sky Sports Racing, ITV <laughs> <laughs> Um, and of course the Betfair podcast um, is committing podultery today not my word Alistair Campbell's I heard it the other day but I thought I'd borrow it how does it how does it how does it feel just to taste something a little bit different yeah, it feels a little bit dirty but you know yourself that's ne- never any harm and uh, yeah don't don't be saying that you've borrowed it Nick you know all, all the best ideas are stolen make it your own <laughs> claim it as your own if you get it in the dictionary that'll be one for the CV uh, and away you go yeah it's like nobody had thought of doing a podcast before had they I mean <laughs> Oh, so 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 original, um, Lisa. Could I just have a bit of a, a appraisal of, of Kevin's sartorial? I love the fact that you've both gone for the blue today, and funnily enough, my husband has also. So maybe blue is the tone of the day. And I've even got a bit of blue on my shoes, so I'm not completely head to toe white. Um, I'm particularly liking the grey motif on the tie that's tying in with your waistcoat. Yeah. All, all intentional. Absolutely. I can just see you in the mirror this morning going, you see it's the grey that just picks no, out not the grey. Nick. I was thinking about this six <laughs> months ago. Come on, you know, it's all about preparation. It's all about planning, absolutely. <laughs> um, you are a meticulous operator, Kevin. Um, did it do you any good yesterday? Um, not really, not really. It started well. I took a view of taking on the front two in the Queen Anne, so we got the result, but I think it was only, uh, well, the result is the result, that's what matters, but I think on another day in Spiral would have probably won and won well. Um, I think she ran massive in defeat, um, did all her running between the three and the one and just ran out of diesel close home, so I think Frankie was unfortunate the way the race panned out. She was the best filly for me. Mm. Yeah, she kind of walked out of the stalls, but she didn't. at least yeah. she didn't stand stock still like she did last oh, season. Lord. It's not getting any better that though, is it? No, no, I tell you, we, 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 they often got slagged when they were really prolific back in the day, but we do miss pacemakers in these top races, I think, mm. you know. Um, yeah, I want, I Bring want back the, the bunnies. Yeah, I tell you, I want the best horses to win, and when you get these tactical races, you know, you often don't get the best horse winning, so bring back the bunnies, start the campaign. Absolutely, I'm with you all the way. Uh, Lisa, yesterday, from a fashion point of view, you thought that people were going to go big, go colourful, go loud. What did what did you what did you get? We did see some of that. Mm. Uh, definitely in the the main crowd, I saw a lot of bright colours. I saw a lot of pink, all different shades of pink. However, if you want to take a line through the royal family, we didn't get that, and I think it was intentional. Especially if we look at Queen Camilla, she was very understated in an ivory tone, and also her hat was very understated, which I think is unlike her. It was still Philip Tracy because she's very loyal to Philip Tracy. We're talking about loyalty. Um, but usually you would see some kind of impressive flourish on one of her hats. Like it's a very, very well structured hat, but it was very understated. So do you think a quiet homage to the late queen? I think she knew on some level that you can't outdo what the queen has done here. So why try? Why try to compete? So she did it her own way, and I think it was a mark of respect. Okay, interesting. And today you've gone, as we say, all white with a wedding dress. It's more monochrome today, do you think? More muted tones today, which okay. I think we saw yesterday as well. Zara Tyndall was in a really beautiful colour, which is Samantha's actually wearing today. <laughs> Very similar tones in the peach and the sage green. Funnily enough, by the same designer that I wore yesterday. Mm-hmm. But if you put two dresses side by side, you would never know. When Sam started on the Racing Media Academy and then came to work with us here on the on the podcast, you know, what she told you know 
the, the RMA judges on her application form that she craved was to be um, appraised by, by Lisa Tan. <laughs> I'm and, sure she and, did. Uh, an ambition has been realised. Uh, it didn't go right for the, the royal runner yesterday, Saga, Kev, at all. We've discussed that earlier on, you know, to, to our heart's content. Um, can Frankie get back amongst the winners? He's not going to be in a, in a great mindset, is he? You know, getting flashbacks to last year, had an abysmal week, and yesterday started abysmally, and beaten on those that maybe should have won. You know, copped a nine-day interference ban. Um, not a great day. Um, so look, look, if he gets a winner, he'll be fine. But up until then, I, you'd be a little bit worried. And if there's if there's one horse that will will actually have you skipping your way out of Ascot, who would it be? Um, well, look, I have, I suppose, an emotional attachment to the Joseph O'Brien team. Um, and look, like any team in the game, Nick, you're, you're desperate to have winners here. This is Royal Ascot is a real pinch point in the season. Everyone's here. This is where you want to have winners. You do a lot of thinking about it and trying to get your horses there. In the case of the handicaps, off the right marks in the right race. And look, today looks a really important day for him. Jumbly in the Duke of Cambridge looks to have a super chance. So it could well happen with her. But um, the Kensington Palace Stakes, I think he has a strong hand. Three runners. I think there's a strong case to be made for all of them. A lot of thinking and planning has gone into getting them here. So hopefully they get down and get out of the stalls in one piece. And one of them hopefully can do the job. Right, style and substance. Lisa Tan and Kevin Blake, thank you both so much. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so to round off Lydia with me, um, how are you going to bolster the coffers today, luxuriating from home? <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good question. I know what I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm looking forward to seeing the Prince of Wales estate. For me, I think this is going to be the race of the week. You know, Adiar, Luxembourg, uh, Baybridge and my Prospero. I'm such a fan of my Prospero. And, you know, having... Uh, a second go over 10 furlongs sorry a third go over 10 furlongs uh, but in the in the in conditions that should suit you know I, I think he could be very exciting indeed but you know um Luxembourg looked really good when controlling the Tassels Gold Cup last time Bay Bridge he was a bit keen early had excuses caught in a pocket he is going to come back to at a track that we know that he's uh he handles extremely well as a course and distance winner of the champion stakes and then you've got Adiar as well who's put up very high performance high class performances on this track had a slightly uh, interrupted season last year and he's coming back now as well um at, at the age of five like Bay Bridge that, that is going to that that centerpiece today is exciting me so much I'm really looking forward to it how about you I, again I, I i think luxembourg will win that race because i i suspect ryan moore might well be able to dictate it um but i would be i would be quite happy <laughs> for any of the any of the big four to to win it really i i i think they're all in their own way very likable and, and and worthy horses not wanting to damn them with with faint praise still think luxembourg's been a little bit underrated on his tassels gold cup run love bay bridge we all know what the human interest stories that are, are there Adar Godolphin badly needs him to shine. I think yes. Charlie Appleby badly needs him to shine, and I, I, I sort of have a huge respect for them for for keeping going with a really talented Derby winner who might yet still have his best day ahead of him. So, and everything you said about my Prospero, so I can't wait for that. Yeah, looking forward to it very much. If there's a horse I fancy today, it's the filly in the Queen Mary. Go on, uh, William Haggis's Relief Rally. Right, go on. Why? Uh, I I don't think it's a race absolutely brimful of star quality. I thought she showed plenty of it at, at Salisbury. I like the fact he's compared her to Bashara. If she's mm -hmm. anywhere near that good, she'll win. Yeah, uh, she's a she's one of the key players. I agree with you. I think there's a handful of horses that, on what we've seen so far, 
are the ones to be looking at here. Normally, I'd be going to the Marygate and having a look at that. And I do like Gotta Grey, who seemed to really like a, 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 a faster surface when winning there. But it was a smaller, shallower Marygate than usual. So I, I also like Beautiful Diamond. In fact, I prefer her. Um, she won uh, um, a maiden at Nottingham. It was a good looking field. And she absolutely dominated it. The horse who was a clear second would have won most races of that quality quite comfortably. But Beautiful Diamond was miles ahead of her. And she took a while to pull up. And Carl Burke is so long suited in uh, two-year-old fillism. And he trains Gotta Love a Grey as well. I think it's very significant. So I like Beautiful Diamond for the Queen Mary. So what is the what is the definitive Lydia Hislop selection for today? And, and I should I'm very bad at not crediting uh, the guest on the show for, for their winning tips. So um, Yates's shout for Paddington yesterday was loud and proud. Oh, dear. No pressure then. Um, I um, I'm going for Grand Dam in the Duke of Cambridge. I think that she shaped last year like a filly who's got a lot of quality, a lot of ability and gawkiness, um, whatever it is, was just not allowing her to put that together. I think she's going to be suited by the track here at Ascot. Uh, it's a seasonal debut. I can see her coming on a ton as a four-year-old. So it's Grand Dame in the 340, the Duke of Cambridge. All right, Lydia, thank you very much. A quick word about the Gold Cup tomorrow, perhaps? Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be superb. I am I am so much looking forward to this. You know what does subjectivist have now coming back at the age of six, having been such a brilliant stayer, and then obviously having that that really very serious injury. Coltrane, who's kind of grafted his way up to this level, and the horse that I'm most excited about, which is Elder Elderov, who I thought ran such a stormer over fourteen furlongs in the Yorkshire Cup, a trip that is just slightly at the short end I think at this level but I can see him blossoming over two and a half miles so I'm expecting him to win the Gold Cup but I'm hoping for a, a superb race Lydia thank you thank you very much for listening as well don't forget our Huntsman uh, ride of the day uh, yesterday it was Neil Callan uh, we will be putting the poll up after racing not the poll as David Johnson from Timeform um, pointed out I said yesterday I'm not putting a poll up anywhere the poll will go up uh, at the uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day um <laughs> our team at, at uh, nld hq will will decide the four so don't at me just vote <laughs> all right enjoy day two of royal Ascot. that was wednesday june the 21st <laughs> You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.